0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules
1: and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Clay Link is off this week. And we're going to do a, a mailbag episode. I, I know you guys like these a lot. I uh, got a lot of great questions from everyone. They're mostly going to focus on prospects and dynasty leagues. I uh, wanted to mention a few things at the top, though, before we get into those. I uh, just put up an article uh, last night on, on Tuesday ranking uh, my top 50 prospects just for 2022 value. So this is essentially volume three of the uh, Prospects for 2022 articles I've been putting out. And I veered off from the tier approach and I combined the hitters and pitchers. Uh, This is kind of uh, what I would use if I were you going into drafts this weekend. Uh, 15-team mixers, uh, if you're still doing draft and holds, um, you're not going to be looking at more than maybe a dozen of these guys in regular redraft leagues with uh, seven-man benches, but uh, good names to file away for fab for later in the season and kind of just a spring training uh, viewer guide, you know, guys to keep an eye on when you're tuning in to watch certain teams play. So check that out on the site, uh, roadwire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Uh, I think you'll, you'll dig that. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, the Highlander Dynasty Invitational is off the ground and running. We uh, just finished the fourth round in that. Uh, for those who don't know, this was a brainchild of Brett Sayer from Baseball Perspectives. Uh, he called me about, oh man, I want to say like three weeks ago. And, you know, we were kind of uh, bemoaning the fact that it's been really hard to be in a quote-unquote expert dynasty league uh that is sort of a sustainable uh format um you know you you, you've all played in dynasty leagues where things kind of go off the wire uh or off the rails i should say um with owners making lopsided trades or owners kind of not paying attention to the league anymore and just, you know, sort of it becoming a league where the same five, six teams are competing every year and the same 10 teams just don't have a chance. And we wanted to try to start something uh, that would be legitimately sustainable. And we've really kind of tweaked the rules. Uh, I, I urge you to check out uh, that constitution. You can probably find links to it on on my Twitter or Twitter, Brett's Twitter uh Jesse Roach is also a uh a founding member and and Ian Khan is on the the board uh the Highlander board and um the hope is to maybe do another Highlander league next year uh but you know I think it's it's definitely worth checking out this this uh draft so far uh, like I said we are uh, through the fourth round 20 teams uh this is really kind of the the best of the best in terms of Uh, experienced, serious dynasty players. Uh, I was picking 11th, and I went uh, Ozzy Albies, Ilo Jimenez, Riley Green, and Alec Manoa with my first four picks. Uh, It's a a 5 by 5 batting average league. Uh, Very on brand there, uh, of course. Uh, I like the the age that I'm kind of going with there. The idea between going with Albies with my first pick is that i could pivot to a more kind of concrete win now strategy if i wanted to but he's also young enough at 25 where i could pivot to a uh play for the future uh strategy if that's where i thought the value was and so uh that's that's definitely what i'm doing i I don't really expect to win this year uh with riley green as my my third pick um wouldn't expect that but you know i think i can put together a really good roster and Um, be very competitive for years to come. Uh, I'll put a link to that draft uh, and maybe a link to the Constitution in the show notes um, if you want to check that out. Uh, And then uh, one more note just before I get to all these great questions is, you know, I got, say, four questions maybe uh, where uh, the people were wanting to know my take on guys in the... uh, in the draft, um, in the 2022 draft, the upcoming draft, uh, I just really want to put it out there and stress that I am not a expert on amateur players. Um, I, you know, I, I have a lot on my plate, uh, focusing on pro prospects, focusing on dynasty ranks and focusing on redraft. And I also have uh, some stuff sort of behind the scenes at Roadwire that I'm in charge of, so it just it would be completely uh, unrealistic and kind of impossible for me to be good at all those things. And I chose a long time ago to not try to be good at amateur scouting. I mean, you, in in like big league front offices, most of the time, unless you're talking about the the general manager. Um, you have pro scouts, you have amateur scouts. Uh, maybe you have like a really good scout who's in the Southeast or something who looks at, at pros and amateurs, uh, that type of thing. But for the most part, you know, staying on top of just pro prospects, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, that's a full-time job in and of itself. And so trying to follow what's happening with the amateur market year round to me is just not a good use of my time. And there's also the fact that the valuations, like if you look at a mock draft in October and then a mock draft in May, uh, things are going to be very different. And so I just don't think it's a useful exercise for me to try to stay on top of things as it's all changing anyway. So what I do every year is I, I, you know, about six weeks before the draft, um, I really hunker down and it's kind of like I'm spending six weeks cramming for a, a big test where I'm I'm really trying to know the player pool uh as best as I can um you know probably around 70 80 players deep or so uh that I can say like with with confidence like what I think this player is what I think he could become and to me that that's worked well over the years uh, and so I just, I don't want to give you guys answers to questions about the 2022 draft and pretend that I'm an expert on it when I'm just not, uh, I recommend you subscribe to baseball America. I recommend you, uh, subscribe to, uh, the prospects live Patreon. I mean, there's, there's really good sites that do a really good job covering amateurs. Uh, so, so please support them. I mean, that's you know kind of who I look to when it, when it comes that time. Uh, But, you know, I I know Drew Jones, I know Elijah Green, I know Tamar Johnson, those guys all, you know, kind of look the part of future elite pro prospects. But, uh, you know, I can't tell you with any confidence right now who my number one guy from this class is going to be because we have to let the process play out. Like, it'll probably just be whichever one of those three amateurs has the best uh, senior season. And uh, I don't know who that's going to be yet. So, uh sorry if you had a question about the 2022 draft. Uh I'm just I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. Uh but let's get to the the questions that I can answer. Uh the first one is from Johnny Sauce and his question is is Ryan Pepio good? Uh Pepio obviously a uh, a pitching prospect with the Dodgers. You know, I think Pepio has has good stuff. Uh I don't think he is a starter. In the majors i think the term multi-inning reliever gets thrown out a lot uh relative to how many of those there actually are in the big leagues but i think pepio is kind of a classic you know go get five six seven outs type of guy uh probably gonna strike a lot of people out probably gonna walk a lot of people i uh, just don't i don't think he's a starter long term uh, maybe he uh, could take a step forward this year and prove me wrong but He's close enough to the majors where I would expect him to be kind of working out of that bullpen uh, sometime this summer. i got a couple questions from Steven Gerber. He's in a rebuild mode and he is looking to convert Corbin Burns into future assets and wants to know what he should look for. Uh, You know, if you look at the, that Highlander dynasty invitational draft, uh, Corbin Burns went two picks after Julio Rodriguez. I think he went uh, five, four or five picks after Bobby Witt, uh, but he also went um, like a round and a half ahead of the next best prospect, Riley Green. So if I, if I have Corbin Burns and I'm in complete rebuild mode, I'm contacting whoever has Julio Rodriguez, assuming they are a contender, and I'm just trying to figure out how we can do something. Uh, Burns for Julio, maybe I have to throw in uh, something else with Burns to get Julio, uh, but I'm really going to exhaust that specific trade uh, until I, it's very clear to me from the Julio owner that it's not going to happen. Um, from there, you know, I would move on to the the Bobby Witt owner. Um, you know, maybe something where a guy like Eloy is the headliner, and you get another prospect thrown in. Uh, But I'm really stressing quality over quantity on a Corbin Burns return. And, you know, I wouldn't be in a massive rush to get this done right now if you can't get the deal you want. Uh, Corbin Burns is so good, and Corbin Burns is going to move the needle so much for those teams that are contending this year that once we get a month or two into the season, someone's going to suffer a serious injury to one of the pitchers they were counting on this year. And they're going to be desperate. They're going to look at their team. They're going to think they have a team that can win the championship. And you're going to be holding Corbin Burns, and you should be able to get almost whatever you want at that point. So uh, do everything you can to get Julio Rodriguez. Uh, you know, move on to Bobby Witt then from from there. Uh, if you get a no on on those guys, I, I just would hold out and just kind of see how this plays out. Of course, Corbin Burns could uh, suffer an injury and then you're kind of left um, SOL, but uh, that's that's the way I would play it. I mean, when you have a guy that good, you can't really afford to mess this up um, from a return standpoint. Like if, if you end up getting, um, you know, like Anthony Volpe and Marco Luciano or something like that, I really think you're just going to look back on that and, and regret it. So uh, try to get Julio. And then from there, you might have to hold and and hope that a team gets desperate in season. Uh, But don't be afraid to go after young big leaguers, too. You don't have to just look at prospects if you're in a complete rebuild. You know, like I said, a guy like uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, is a good guy to try to buy low right now. Uh, Steven also wanted to know how to find a committed dynasty league. Uh, Yeah, this is a really tough thing. Um, If. I think if Brett and I had started the Highlander Dynasty Invitational a couple months ago, we would have um, explored a way for the very best people that didn't get into the league. We had had 125 applications. Uh, I think we would have explored a way to try to form a sort of a satellite league, Uh, with another 20 guys uh, and then maybe another satellite league with another, with another 20 managers or something like that, just because we have um, this resource basically of a ton of really good dynasty players um, on hand. Uh, So that's kind of a shame that we couldn't do that this year. we just kind of ran out of time. Um, But that might be something that we explore next year where, uh, I might I might just say hey like message the the Highlander Twitter account if you're interested in being a part of a very serious dynasty startup league um, so that might be something we look at next year uh if you're if you're trying to <laughs> join a dynasty league between now and opening day uh you're, you're probably not going to find one uh to be honest but uh you can always look on like reddit uh you can always uh, do a do a search on twitter um, and, and try to find something that way but uh, it's really hard to, to join a, a good dynasty league. Um, next question is from Casimir. He wants to know if my opinion has changed at all uh, regarding Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I was actually texting a friend of the show, Chris Welsh today. Uh, it's just th- this Mackenzie Gore stuff, to me, and I think you know he kind of echoed this, I, it's really wish casting. On the part of people who have Mackenzie Gore or are invested in some way in Mackenzie Gore um, being good. Uh, you know, I've heard people reference a new delivery. Uh, Welsh has seen him in person. He actually doesn't necessarily buy that. Uh, you know, the point is like Mackenzie Gore is certainly capable of having a really good inning or maybe even a really good couple innings. Um, in a in a spring outing, uh, that's that's not very surprising. Uh, lots of pitchers with his uh, raw stuff are capable of of that type of thing, especially in in spring training. If we look up, uh, you know, a couple weeks and Mackenzie Gore has thrown uh, fourteen, fifteen innings. He's got you know eighteen Ks and three walks, and he's going three inning he's been going kind of steadily you know two three four innings in his last few outings uh then uh, you know we probably got to take that seriously but uh i just i'm not buying it right now um it's to me i think a lot of it is is mental with him and uh he's had just the the stuff isn't as good as it used to be the off-speed stuff uh specifically and then the fastball command uh as as welsh has documented on his podcast you know he can he can locate the fastball at at 94 pretty well but he can't locate it uh at, at 98 or 97 very well so uh i'm still very low on gore you know he could of course prove me wrong uh was very low on lucas giolito uh the year that he was the worst starting pitcher in baseball and and he turned things around so uh, would never say never, but I'm not going to just be like, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm back in on Mackenzie Gore because he had a a good spring uh, performance and he's working with a different pitching coach or whatever." Like, you know, I think I think a lot of you are just kind of um, hoping for that to be true and wanting it to be true, but to me, there's just not enough evidence to suggest that that it is true. Uh, next question is from David Vidal. Uh, he wants to know how much I like Christian Robinson now. Robinson, of course, with the, the Diamondbacks, former top 20 prospect. Uh, you know, there was a good report a while ago about him, um, you know, being back and and at the, the spring complex and everything. But then there was a report, I think, uh, a couple days ago about how, He's actually still serving his 18 months of probation before he can get a work visa, which is necessary for him to play in games where there is a paid attendance. So he's capable of playing in these uh, spring games, you know, backfield, extended spring training. Uh, He'll be able to keep playing in Arizona, I think, in in those games um, into the season. But it doesn't sound like he's eligible yet uh, to play, to go out to like their high A affiliate. Uh, Just something to monitor, but man, I mean, this is just such a, such a frustrating situation. You know, to me, I think he's served the appropriate amount of time and then some for, for what happened, especially when you take in uh, the context of, of things and, it definitely seems like this is going to affect his development. Um, I think we kind of have to assume it has, and it and assume it will until proven otherwise. Uh, I'll keep him ranked. You know, I'll probably keep him ranked around uh, 200 on the top 400. But uh, I don't think we're out of the woods yet on this one with Christian Robinson. Uh, next question is from Zaddy Guerrero. Uh, Zaddy wants to know who's the Andre 3000 of prospects and then in parentheses favorite prospect named Jackson and who's the big boy of prospects uh, in parentheses you like the way he moves uh, favorite prospect named Jackson I'll say Jackson Joe boring boring answer there uh, favorite prospect who I like the way he moves uh I'll I'll say uh Christian Hernandez with the Cubs uh, he's just uh, really uh, really great actions in in the batter's box beautiful swing um, really you know kind of a, a live wire uh, very excited to see how hernandez does this year in uh, the Arizona Complex League uh, chris from baseball pods wants to know if there are any A's prospect starting pitchers who I think might be uh, relevant in a 15-team mix league. Uh, I know pe- people have talked a little bit about Colin Pellews. Uh, I think he's more of a 2023 guy. Um, they're going to obviously see if this is the year with A.J. Puck and Dalton Jeffries. Uh, I think with both those guys, they've proven time and time again they cannot handle a starter's workload. So I am just not going to buy it on puck or Jeffries. if they do put it all together. That'd be awesome. I I know AJ puck uh, ate a lot of food and put on like 25 pounds and in hopes of that helping, I I don't know if that'll help uh, because now he's just six, seven and bigger and I could see that leading to injuries as well. So Uh, who knows? I I don't trust Pucker Jeffries to stay healthy though. Uh, a couple kind of unlikely guys that could be 15 team mixed league relevant, but guys who I think are definitely going to get a shot at some point this year, uh, Zach Logue, who they got from the blue Jays and Adam Oler, who they got from the Mets. I think both those guys, uh, on the 40 man, I believe, um, experience at triple a success at triple a, they're both more uh, kind of number five starter types, but uh, you know I wouldn't be super surprised if the A's turned one of them into someone that you could at least sort of stream like against the Rangers or something like that. Um, but I, I really think it's going to be a rough year for A's fans. Uh, I, <laughs> it's easy for me to say, but uh, if you're an A's fan, just just root for your fantasy teams for the next few years. Uh, Chris also wanted to know what my thoughts are on Junior Camaro or Caminero. Um, He was the uh, prospect from the Dominican Summer League that Tampa Bay got from Cleveland for Tobias Myers. Uh, There's there's actually quite a bit of buzz on Caminero. Uh, I took Caminero in the Devil's Rejects uh, first year player draft that Chris is also in. Uh, just because I knew I was going to talk about him on this podcast, and so I just wanted to to get him locked up before uh, I talked about him here. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of praise for Caminero in the scouting community. Uh, I think he could be a guy who uh, really uh, shoots up lists sooner than later. Uh, probably going to have to wait until the Florida Complex League on him, but uh, really kind of a classic corner infield. Uh, hit and power combination there. So look for Caminero to possibly break out this year. Uh, John Vitovet uh, wants to know if Josh Lowe will make the raise out of spring training and what are realistic expectations for him? Uh, you know, I hope I hoped that he would doesn't look like he will unless something happens with a with a trade of, of Kiermaier Meadows or Margot. I know there have been rumors about Meadows being shopped. Um, doesn't seem like anything's come of that yet. So. I would expect Lowe to probably open the year at AAA and then maybe we see him in a month. Someone could always get injured as well. But uh, in 15-teamers, I still think you can draft low. It's just really tough to find guys uh, that have just – it's very obvious that he has 20-20 upside and then maybe down the road even 25-25 uh, or 30-30 or upside possibly. So a guy that has that type of power and speed, even if you only get him for five months, I think is worth a roster spot and a 15-teamer. Probably not in a 12-teamer for me, though, unless we do hear that he's going to make the team. Uh, John wanted to know, like, you know, what what type of player is Lowe going to be. Uh, I kind of think he's going to, like, I think his ceiling is uh, prime Carlos Gomez, but with better OBP skills. So uh, that's a hell of a player. Like, that. That's, that's my ceiling comp on him. Of course, he could be worse than that. I'm not expecting Josh Lowe to be a guy who hits 270 or 280, but I think he could hit 250. But it's just really all about the power and the speed with Lowe. Uh, Toolsy wants to know if I'm buying low on Royce Lewis once he shows he's healthy. And then where will Royce Lewis play on the Twins now that they have Carlos Correa? Uh, I think, I mean, I think the time to buy low is now. I expect Royce Lewis to be healthy. He was coming back from an injury that most guys come back from, I mean, that it would be pretty surprising to me if Royce Lewis didn't come back from that. Uh, and it, it seems like he is healthy, um, from everything I can find. So I, I'm interested in buying low on Royce Lewis. He's, he's moved into kind of boomer bust territory as a prospect. Cause it's just going to come down to the hit tool. Uh, he's had that, that big leg kick timing mechanism issues. Um, but he also, uh, was talking with, uh, Jeff Potts about this on the Baseball America pod the other day uh, about how Pensacola might've been uh, a tough place for him to hit. Uh, I, I Royce Lewis still has just a crazy fantasy ceiling. Like he has the power and the bat speed to be a 25 plus Homer guy. He has the foot speed to be a 25 to 30 steel guy. And he's on the 40 man. He's going to head to AAA this year. Like, there just aren't many guys like that who are this close to the majors, have this type of pedigree, this type of upside. So I'd be trying to buy low on Lewis for sure. Um, and then tools he wanted to know, where will he play? Uh, the nice thing about Lewis is he could pretty much play anywhere on the field. Uh, he showed that in the Arizona Fall League. He could play third base, shortstop, second base, left field, center field, right field, uh, doesn't really matter. Like, if, if he hits, there will be a spot for him. And there's even a chance that he could be a guy who every year has uh, eligibility at multiple spots. So uh, I'm, I'm not done with Royce Lewis. Uh, he could still bust completely. Uh, that's in play as well, but I think he's worth rolling the dice on. Uh, Colin Campbell wanted to know uh, Luis Matos versus Michael Harris. Highest long-term ceiling. Um, and then could either guy be the number one overall prospect someday? Uh very, very similar prospects, which is just what I think uh Campbell's getting at here. But uh Matos higher ceiling for me just because I think he could have a like a 70 grade hit tool. I think they're both going to be very similar from a power speed upside standpoint. Harris is more of like a plus hit tool, if it all works out. So you know, Matos to me like there's some shades of Bobachette just in the outfield. Uh, and obviously, you know, that's it's a heck of a player. Uh, Michael Harris is more, um, you know, he's more kind of like, I don't know, 2020 20 with like a 285 average, which is great too, if it all works out. But uh, Matos's hit tool is kind of the, the separator for me and why I've got him a little bit ahead of Harris. But I think Harris could be undervalued in, in some leagues. Um, and then, yeah, I think either guy could be the number one overall prospect in a year. Like they're both talented enough; they both have the the requisite tools. So I I don't think I would project that, uh, but I I think both of them. I wouldn't be surprised if we looked up in a year and one of them was the number one overall prospect. All right, let's uh, let's head to a quick message. Are you looking for a new platform for your fantasy baseball league? Fantrax's free MLB Fantasy League Manager is the most customizable, easy-to-use, and feature-rich platform in the industry. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Fantrax offers Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, and Best Ball Leagues. The Highlander Dynasty Invitational is on Fantrax, rightfully so. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes the process easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed sign up for free today and be entered to win fantrax's mlb game day experience which includes tickets to any mlb regular season game for your entire league and a thousand dollars towards travel and accommodations all you have to do is host your fantasy baseball league on fantrax to be entered the more leagues you create the more chances you have to win simply go to fantrax.com slash and sign up today All right, next question is from Chad. He wants to know how is Anthony Volpe affected by the Yankees trading for Isaiah Kinner-Falefa And how does Volpe's hit tool compare to other high profile prospects like Juan Franco and Jared Kelnick? Um, I just don't think it matters that they got Kinnerfaleffa. Uh he's a glove first shortstop who um, you know, they, they've been lacking in terms of shortstop defense in recent seasons. So I'm sure that they uh, had been itching to get a guy like this, but he's not going to stand in the way of Volpe. The thing about the Yankees though, is like they, they just never really seem to rush their prospects and they usually end up trading their prospects. Uh Like Glaber Torres is, is easily the last, uh, position player prospect they've actually graduated into uh, regular playing time and i just think volpe is is more of a 2023 guy i don't expect him to be up this year i don't expect the yankees to treat uh, kinder Falefa as some sort of everyday player long term or even this year i think he's just more of kind of a Guy that you put in for defense, you know, I would take the under on like 450 plate appearances from this year. Um, and then how does Volpe's hit tool compare to uh, guys like Franco Kellenic? Uh, definitely doesn't compare to Franco. I mean, Franco had a legendary hit tool, uh, that's what made him so special. Um, Franco was never just a, a big time power guy or a big time speed guy, but what he did have was an 80-grade hit tool. Uh, I could see. Comparing Volpe to to Kalanick, the the guy that I actually compare him to a lot and uh, maybe a cautionary comparison is uh, remember like after the 2018 season, how high I was and how high a lot of people were on uh, Gavin Lux after he kind of, you know, had he was not a low pedigree guy, but he sort of came from off of the uh, radar a little bit uh, to have just a monster season. And he was looking like a 70-grade hit tool, power speed guy. That's kind of reminiscent to what uh, Volpe's season last year uh, was like. Now, Volpe's, you know, his hard hit data backs up the breakout. Uh, I was one of the first, if not the first person to rank him as like a top 20 prospect. So I'm not hating on Volpe, but uh, yeah, I would just pump the brakes on assuming that he is a can't-miss guy uh Mark Gannon wants to know how I would rank Riley Green Jared Kellenick, Brendan Davis CJ Abrams Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh over the next two to three years he can keep uh, any and all of them in a 16 team league for the same cost uh, you know definitely keep Green Kellenick, Davis and Abrams probably keep Adele but uh, if, if I threw one guy back, it'd be Marsh. If I threw two guys back, it'd be both angels. Uh, just cause I like uh, Davis a ton. Um, Abrams, you know, well, who, who knows when he'll be up, but uh, he, his upside is so great that I, I wouldn't throw him back. Uh, Dan wants to know uh, if there are any prospect values moving significantly due to spring training performance or usage. Uh, I kind of tried to show this in that top 50 prospects article that dropped on Tuesday, Uh, but Reed Detmers, I mean, confirmation bias alert for sure with Reed Detmers, but he looked like as good as I hoped he would look. uh, And then some uh, in his spring debut. Um, So Detmers I think is a guy that now I, I think you might be wanting to take around pick 300, uh Nicola Dolo's looked very good. Cade Cavalli's looked good. Ron C. Contreras. I think all three of those guys, the Dolo Cavalli and Ron C. Contreras, are guys who uh, you know, you definitely want to at least follow them the rest of spring training, but you know, they could break camp in their rotations. And then I think the three most interesting uh hitting prospects in terms of spring performance. Are Julio Rodriguez, CJ Abrams, and O'Neill Cruz? Uh, Rodriguez, it's just like he's so, like the Mariners have been so clear about manipulating his service time. Like he, he had no business going to high A last year. He didn't even get to AAA last year because of uh, how much they sort of suppressed him. But is he the best player? on the Mariners 40 man roster, like he might be. Uh, so uh, keep following what he does in spring training. If he is just clearly the class of that team, who knows when he debuts, I, I'm still just going to guess that it's June, but uh, I'd be following uh, Julio CJ Abrams. Like I think on a lot of teams, he'd be up in 2023 and it would just be as simple as that. All the missed time he's had, Uh, On this team, though, A.J. Preller is so desperate uh, to save his job. And he had success rushing Fernando Tatis to the majors. I could see him just going down with his favorite guys. And it's not like Abrams has a ton of guys to get past for playing time. So Uh, keep an eye on C.J. Abrams. Again, I'm not drafting any of these guys, really, in in regular redraft leagues but they're so talented. Um, you could kind of talk your way into them debuting sooner than we expect. And then O'Neal Cruz, obviously <clears throat> it's going to be fascinating to, to watch the pirates with a straight face, sending him, him to triple a, if he keeps mashing like this, uh, it does seem like that will happen, but, um, man, I mean, he, if he has eight homers, uh, when we look up in like two weeks, um, Are they really going to send him to AAA? Uh, Probably, but man, that would be a huge bummer. Um, Dan also wanted to know uh, if I expect Stephen Kwan to break camp with Cleveland and what my outlook is for his 2022. Uh, Kwan is, I would say, legitimately competing for a spot on the opening day roster in Cleveland. Uh, They have openings in that outfield. Quan is probably already one of their five or six best pure hitters. I think his power output last year in the upper levels, it overstates what I would expect from him as a big leaguer. I think it was just, you know, this guy might have a 70 grade hit tool and he was like 24. And <clears throat> if that's the case, just those two things, and you're playing a double A and triple a, you're going to hit homers unless you're Nick Madrigal or something like that. Uh, So I wouldn't expect him to be a 25 homer guy. I've comped his ceiling to Michael Brantley and with, with the good, you got to take the bad there. Obviously Michael Brantley is one of the best pure hitters uh, of the, of his generation, Uh, but he's not a big power guy, not a big speed guy. And if, if you, take Michael Brantley's stats and you say instead of being a three ten hitter, you're a two sixty hitter, then he's kind of unrosterable. I mean, then then you're kind of talking about like <laughs> I don't know. Uh like the bad version of Adam Frazier at that point. Uh so with Steven Kwan, you're really betting on the hit tool and betting on the hit tool showing up as a rookie. Otherwise, I just don't think he can provide value in mixed leagues. So I haven't been ending up with him in, in a ton of leagues, but uh, the bat to ball ability with him is really special. So, so maybe it translates right away. Um, you could maybe even compare him to like, uh, Luis Arias with a, with a bit more pop. Um, and, and obviously a bit more speed. I mean, Arias isn't a runner. Uh, our wants to know, uh, or he said you and clay link were all over Freddie Peralta and Trevor Rogers last season. What later round SPs are you targeting this year? I assume our tour means that we were all over Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers. I don't think we were all over Freddie Peralta, um, but we were all over Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers last season. Uh, you know, Reed Detmers, like I said, targeting him everywhere. I think he could be a big time breakout guy. Uh, Carlos Hernandez with the Royals. Uh, although uh, Sal Perez's catching or, or lack of catching, is a concern there, but I mean, Hernandez is monster stuff. Uh, Eric Lauer with the Brewers I think a lot of people are sleeping on Lauer. Uh, Corey Kluber. I've said that I think Kluber could be this year's Adam Wainwright in terms of just like a super old guy going around pick 300, 350 who uh, returns top 20 SP value. And then uh, Nestor Cortez with the Yankees. Uh, We've, we've touched on, I think most of these guys before, but uh, those are the guys that I've been ending up with a ton. Uh, after pick three hundred, uh, Mike Genre wants to know: uh, after a few spring homers, is now the best time to move Joe Adele it Always comes down to just what are you moving him for? Uh, you don't just trade a guy for whatever you can get. In a situation like this, I would maybe make him available uh, if you can do that without just. Putting them on your trade block if you can kind of engage an owner in your league that you think might be into Adele uh, without mentioning Adele and just sort of seeing if he brings them up um, that might be a way to go about it but uh, unless you're getting something you know kind of a a no doubt like top 125 dynasty guy something like that uh, maybe top 150. I'd maybe just sort of see where this goes. You know, Adele is talented enough where he could keep hitting homers in, in the spring and the price could continue to go up. Uh, I am worried about his batting average in the majors and I, I think his speed is extremely overrated, but he's incredibly talented, still very young. Uh, John Hollingshed wants to know uh, if I usually recommend using prospects as trade chips or waiting on them to develop. Uh, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule here. Uh, if it's, if, if we're talking about a prospect who is, let's say outside the top 50, I'm basically always looking to trade them. Uh, you know, there's some, maybe some exceptions. Like, I I don't think I'm shopping Ellie to the Cruz right now, but just you're kind of run of the mill, like number 60 overall prospect. Uh, I'm looking to trade them. Uh, I just think that the bust rate on those guys is much higher than people want to admit. And especially when it's a guy who hasn't really failed yet, you can usually cash out a handful of guys in that 50 to 100 range for something really good. And you rarely end up looking back on that, regretting it. Uh, You can even do that with guys in the kind of 25 to 50 range too. Like those are not slam dunks, obviously pitching prospects, they can uh, blow up in your face at any moment, so trading those guys, especially when they're ways away from the majors, always makes sense to me. Uh, if we're talking about the best of the best, like I, I'm not trading Julio Rodriguez in a dynasty league. Like it, it has to be a trade offer that is just so good that I can't can't possibly say no. You know, like a a true Godfather offer. Uh, like, I, I don't think I would trade Julio Rodriguez for Mookie Betts. Um, I probably I'd consider trading Julio Rodriguez for a guy like Luis Robert. Uh, but even then it's just, I don't know. Um, with the, that next tier guys, you know, you're, you're always listening, but the better the prospect, the more likely I am to kind of just let them develop and, and hopefully turn into uh, one of the better versions of themselves. Um, Sully wants to know with all the Cubs outfield acquisitions, is Brennan Davis still worth consideration in a keeper league? What's his ETA? Uh, Davis is still the best Cubs outfielder to have in a dynasty league, uh, in a keeper league, uh, maybe say a Suzuki just because, you know, in that format, you're usually just really valuing that now value, but, uh, like the Cubs are not blocking Brennan Davis, uh, Brendan Davis is going to have every day at bats whenever he's ready. There's there's nobody standing in his way. Uh, there's there just there just isn't like look at that depth chart. Uh, it's Seiya Suzuki, it's Ian Happ when he's healthy, and it's Brendan Davis, and you know someone else is going to just miss out. That's that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I think Davis is up in June or July. I think. There's you know, he had enough success for a long enough time at AAA last year. Are they gonna have him spend a year and a half at AAA? I just I don't see it. They're already spending money. They're they spent money on Suzuki, Strowman. Davis is the future best player on this team. I think getting him reps now so that he's really ready to take that next step in 2023 makes way more sense than just messing with his development and keeping him down all season. And if you're going to bring him up this year, bring him up in June instead of August, right? Like, you know, you're you're getting the same amount of service time either way. Uh Brian Davino wants to know any thoughts on Pedro Leon now that Carlos Correa is gone. Uh Pedro Leon showing off that that pullside power in uh, spring training today he hit a hit a big bomb uh Correa being gone doesn't really affect Leone it affects Jeremy Pena Jeremy Pena is going to be the shortstop Pedro leon has been playing center field so uh that's where his wheels are going to be put to use uh, I still think Pedro Leon is a great buy low uh and I think he could be up uh sometime this year I mean I've, I've talked a lot about him on on this pod other pods written about him uh but I could see Leon just mashing at AAA this year and enforcing the issue in, in June. Uh, Matt Young wants to know uh, an off the radar prospect you think is worth going after in drafts or auction for a buck or two that could go for 10 or more next year. Um, The fact that he said auction makes me think uh, we're talking about redraft here. So uh, to me, that's, He's not off the radar, really, unless you're just playing in a, in a really um, not competitive league. But I'll just say read Detmers again. Um, I don't think you're spending money in an auction unless it's like an only league on guys who are much worse than Detmers and are, are prospects. So I'll say Detmers. Uh, Banksy wants to know if I would drop Sixto Sanchez in a dynasty points league to pick up MJ Melendez. Kevin Alcantara, uh, Brian Rocchio, or Henry Davis. I would drop Sixto Sanchez for any of them. Uh, The question is, who would I drop him for in a dynasty points league? um, You know, I love Brian Rocchio the most of those four in 5 by 5 Roto. I think Rokio's just got a perfect game for, for standard five by five Roto with batting average. He's going to hit for high average, 20 homers, 20 steals. You know, I think he's going to hit first or second, uh, in a points league, you know, depending on your scoring, I could see MJ Melendez being the guy and spoiler alert. Uh, I'm going to probably bump MJ Melendez up a little bit on this next update, uh, just becoming more and more comfortable buying into Melendez's hit tool, I think. Uh, I think he's somehow underrated, even though he led the minors in homers last year. He's not necessarily underrated in redraft. I don't have any of him in in NFBC leagues. He's going around pick 400. But I think in Dynasty, MJ Melendez might be a little uh, underrated. And he'll be up this year. Rokio probably won't be. Uh, Melendez has been playing some third base. Uh, and he might play enough catcher to keep that eligibility. So, I mean, the dream would just be Melendez kind of being a guy who's eligible at catcher and third base most years, which would be awesome if he's playing every day. So, uh, in a points league, I think there's definitely a case for Melendez because Rokio's speed doesn't really matter as much. I love Alcantara and Davis too, but, uh, probably be Melendez there. Uh, the Ulysses sect wants to know if Adam Frazier is in a timeshare at second base in Seattle and with that loaded lineup, if he could be a uh, top six or seven second baseman. I mean, is how loaded is that lineup? I mean, it's it's a pretty good lineup. Uh, I don't think we're talking about like a Dodgers or uh, Blue Jays lineup where it's just propelling guys into you know, really high finishes, uh, Adam Frazier. I think he could be an everyday guy. The big question with him is where is he hitting in that lineup? Because if he's not leading off, at least against righties, then you, then you're talking about a guy hitting sixth or seventh, who is going to hit fewer than 10 homers and steal fewer than 10 bases. So I'm just, The, the only category that I could see Frazier being a major positive in is batting average, but I just don't, I don't go after Adam Frazier's or or Louisa rises, uh, for the batting average. I can usually draft batting average fairly early and I just, I need guys that are going to really juice up the, the counting stats and he, I just don't see him doing that, uh, The Ulysses sect also wanted to know who gets the call first out of Max Meyer, George Kirby, Tristan Casas, and Nick Gonzalez. Uh, Don't think we see Nick Gonzalez till next year, so we cross him off. Uh, If George Kirby stays healthy, I think we see him first just because I think there's not really much standing in his way, whereas Max Meyer kind of has to get past a couple guys or have a couple guys get hurt uh max myers debut really kind of largely depends on the health of the guys ahead of him so we could see him in june we could see him in august uh tristan casas i'll I'll say comes up second out of those four um i think he's gonna kind of kick the door down i think this year at triple a all right experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on thrive fantasy Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. Visit RotoWire.com slash thrive, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. All right, we are back to the questions. Zach Lambros wants to know uh, my thoughts on Drew Rom uh, with the Orioles and Louis Varland with the Twins. Any upside? What's their ETA? Uh, you know, Rom and Varland both have better minor league numbers than pure stuff. Uh, i like I like rom the pitcher more. I think he's pretty underrated. I like Varland's situation more coming up with the twins in uh that division with you know byron Buxton behind you uh, pretty good setup there uh most likely we're talking about a couple number five starters but i I think I've got them both ranked on the top four hundred just because they have a chance to, to maybe outperform um, that projection. Uh, Joe McHugh wants to know if I can talk a little bit about my process for determining if, when, and how a player in the 400, 600 range or later should be moved way up into the top 400. Uh, this is a great question uh, from Joe. Um, so, my general process is that uh, in like my personal spreadsheet uh, for each team, I have, you know, between 10 and 20 guys who are not ranked on the top 400 uh, sort of highlighted going into the season who I'm going to really keep tabs on uh, each time I do an update. And so, Anytime I'm doing a, a big update, I'm going through um, team by team and seeing how that kind of collection of of next best prospects are doing. And the guys who are, are just really performing well, uh, look into them a little further, uh, maybe put them on the top 400. And then uh, there's also always going to be guys who just pop up who are not guys that I had sort of pegged before the year as, as watch list guys. And you know things are so, uh, you know, Prospect Dynasty Prospect Twitter is just so rich these days with uh, analysis that you know people are turning these guys up a lot of times, even before I am. Someone I'm following is is tweeting about someone who's who's breaking out uh, that I wasn't on before the season, and then I can just go do some research and kind of confirm like how how real I think uh, that breakout is, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Joe uh, always just kind of comes down to, you know, finding the guy who's performing uh, maybe more than expected or obviously more than expected. And then kind of like looking under the hood uh, you know, how, how is the, the approach if it's a hitter, uh, where are they hitting um, age to level, that kind of stuff. Uh, what's the batter ball profile uh what's their speed grade um all that kind of stuff you know how, how do they profile defensively or are they going to be an asset is that going to get their bat in the lineup uh with a pitcher i mean we're definitely looking at video at that point uh trying to figure out uh, how good the the pitches are uh, but yeah it's a, it's a really good question joe uh dan wants to know which royals first baseman do we see first out of Vinny pascantino and nick prado uh we see prado first. He really struggles, and then we see Pasquantino. Uh, I I just think, you know, look at where they finished last year. I don't see them leapfrogging Pasquantino over Prado. I think they're going to give Prado a chance. I don't expect him to seize it, and I think Pasquantino will eventually get a chance. Uh, might not see Pasquantino until next year, although Maybe he just doesn't have much left to prove in the minors. I mean, he's pretty old, so maybe we see them both this year. I I still think they're going to play Carlos Santana, though, until at least like June, and I wouldn't be surprised if Santana bounced back a little bit. So uh, not on either of those guys for this year. Uh, Definitely on uh, Melendez if you're looking for a second Royals hitter uh, after Bobby Witt. Uh, John Dobbs has a few questions here. Uh, first one, Jesus Sanchez playing time concerns, uh, not playing time concerns, but where he hits in the lineup concerns a little bit, you know, he, it, it did seem uh, a while ago that maybe he could be the, the number four hitter, uh, worried now that maybe he enters the year as the fifth or sixth hitter. Of course, with all this depth, if Sanchez really scuffles, then. <clears throat> we could start seeing some playing time concerns because they have uh, guys that they can turn to, but uh, more concerned about Sanchez's spot in the lineup now. Uh, he also wants to know could Keston Hira beat out Rowdy Tellez? Uh No, he couldn't. Uh, Hira like here is here is a DH. Hira is he needs to just really really rake to be the DH. And uh, I don't know. I think it seems unlikely to me. Um, John also wants to know, do Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush and Gavin Lux need to get traded? Uh, naming three Dodgers prospects or former prospects there that all kind of play, you know, second base, third base. I think Miguel Vargas has passed Gavin Lux in terms of uh, who the Dodgers have more long-term belief in like Vargas, you know, the way that they talk about him, it, it seems like he factors into their plans, not necessarily this year, certainly not early this year, but it, it could be uh, up later this summer. You know, Bush and Lux could get traded. I think uh, there'd be teams that would love to have those guys. The thing is when you're the Dodgers, you just don't have like, what? why are you trading Bush and Lux? What are you getting back? What do, what do the Dodgers need? The Dodgers just kind of have everything. Uh, I think trading a guy like Ed East Leonard or Yorbit Vivas for Craig Kimbrell makes a ton of sense. I mentioned that on a pod a couple months ago with Jeff Erickson but i just i think michael bush and gavin lux are too good to trade for one year of craig kimbrell at an appropriate contract so i think they're just gonna sit on all their crazy depth uh there'll probably come another time when it's time to to go trade for a max scherzer Trey turner type of guy and they'll they'll put uh, something good on the table but if there's just you know what what's the point of trading michael bush right now like obviously it'd be great for our dynasty teams but uh, the dodgers don't care about that Uh, john also wants to know uh, tommy romero with the rays is he a starter or a reliever i was looking at their depth chart earlier today and man i think tommy romero is starting to look like one of their six or seven best options already Uh, i don't really buy luis patino as a true starter i think he's more of like a three or four inning guy Romero is a guy with a modern fastball. He's on the 40-man roster, had success in the upper levels last year. So I think Romero's a great uh, end-game draft and hold target. I, I took him with the last pick of the Tout Wars draft and hold, 50-rounder uh, with 15 teams. And then we'll, we'll probably see Romero in the first half. Maybe he debuts as kind of a a two to three inning guy, uh, but I think he could. I think Romero could have, let's say, eight to 15 outings with the big club this year that are over three innings. And then we, we kind of go from there. So uh, Romero's a good deep name to keep an eye on. Yukon uh, Jack wants to know uh, thoughts on Colton Cowser and Kobe Mayo and what are their ETAs in the Orioles system? I think Cowser is a little overrated right now. Uh, he's still, to date, hasn't played at a age-appropriate level or kind of a, a talent-appropriate level, even dating back to college. So let's see how Cowser does at Double A. You know, hit tool is is very impressive. Uh, let's just see how he does though once he kind of is facing uh, legitimate pitching. And Kobe Mayo, I've talked about a lot. I love Kobe Mayo. I think he is. I've uh, I've traded him in some dynasty leagues uh, as a win now um, chip. Uh, he headlined a deal that, you know, and I did in Devil's Rejects for uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think look up three years from now, Kobe Mayo could be uh, one of the most exciting young hitters in the game uh Kowser probably debuts next year if if he kind of goes through double a and triple a without a ton of resistance kobe mayo probably more like 2024 uh friend of the show michael parnell uh who should have won that uh rock band bracket from uh, a few months ago uh wanted to know which prospect in the back half of the top 400 has the best chance to surprise this summer either by getting to the big leagues or leaping into the top 100. Um, I'll, I'll give a, a hitter and a pitcher. Uh, hitter, uh, Kali Rosario with the Twins. Uh, love his his raw power. Uh, I think he could break out this year. Just got to watch the strikeouts with him. And then uh, pitcher, Bryce Bonin with the Reds. Um, big time stuff. Bon, Bonin. If he stays healthy and throws strikes, he could be a big-time riser this year. Uh, tomorrow's Baseball Today wants to know if he should invest in, in Daniel Espino long-term or cash him out. Uh, that just kind of comes down to your risk tolerance. Uh, it's kind of with, with a guy like Espino, who has a very high ceiling and could need Tommy, Jar- Tommy John surgery at any moment. It's kind of like you're playing uh, Russian roulette a little bit. So, if you want to ride it out, you could have the number one pitching prospect in the game in a year. If you want to cash them out, chances are you won't regret that a ton. Uh, you know, I think you, you know at some point something's probably going to go wrong with Espino, uh, but it also comes down to what are you going to get for him? Like you don't just say, "Okay, I'm trading Espino no matter what." Like you have to see what's out there uh cheese beef or Chaz beef wants to know if i'm going to put out uh, my surprising minor league assignments article this year definitely that's that's one of the more useful articles i do each year so i would say you could probably look for that sometime in april jh schroeder wants to know uh, what makes me buy or not buy a guy that's putting up big numbers but is old for the level uh with hitters it's really it's it seems um simple but strikeouts and walks uh look at uh, Vinny pasquantino last year look at dustin harris last year look at stephen kwan last year strikeouts and walks uh that's that's kind of a barometer of how real it is if a guy is um you know, there, there's some exceptions kind of to that rule, um, not necessarily fully buying in, but, uh, a good example is, um, Joey, Joey Weimer, uh, or Joey Weimer with the, the Brewers, you know, he's, he's got the walks, uh, but he's also got a lot of strikeouts, but his power and speed are so intense. That I I ranked him top seventy five because I think we just got to see and like it, it's not like he was just at low A all year and was mashing and then the season was over. He was he kept getting promotions. He kept performing. He he got better with each stop. So like let's just sort of see where this goes with a guy like that. Uh, but w- in general, we're looking at well how how old is this guy? <clears throat> like if, if a guy's 24, and they're an A ball. Uh, there's basically nothing they can do that would pique my interest until they get to Double A. But if it's a 21 or 22 year old and they're putting up Vinny Pascantino numbers, <clears throat> then I think it's it's definitely um, something to keep an eye on. And uh, Dustin Harris, <clears throat> a big part of buying in on him was just uh, watching a lot of video. And it's, you know, you could just kind of see it um, when a guy just has that natural ability to get the barrel on the ball, uh, really look the part. So um, that's what I'm looking for with, with hitters, Uh, with pitchers, you're just looking at what's, what's the stuff like, Um, can you get any reports? Public or private? On just what? What is the caliber of the stuff? How how hard's the fastball? What's the movement characteristics? Uh, what's the spin on the breaking balls? What's the uh, whiff rate on on the the speed stuff? Because um, like there's you know there's a lot of guys, pitchers who could put up great numbers in the lower levels just by commanding a few pitches and having a good changeup that type of thing. Age doesn't matter that much to me with pitchers though. Uh, It's just, it's kind of what's the stuff, how good's the stuff. Howard Sider wants to know, of the Mets' top position prospects, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, Ryan Mauricio, Khalil Lee, who's the most likely to get time with the club this year and what type of impact can we expect? Uh, I don't think think, uh, Beatty's up this year. I don't think Alvarez is up this year. I don't think Mauricio's up this year. Uh Khalil Lee's kind of like their, their fifth or sixth outfielder entering the year. So I think we will probably see him at some point. Uh Vientos is on the 40 man. There's just there's not really anywhere for him to play. Uh, but I still think we probably see him um via injuries or, or something like that. I don't think we're looking at much fantasy production from any of those guys, though, till 2023. And then Howard wanted to know if I prefer uh Beatty or, or Vientos long-term. I think I'm one of the very few people who actually likes Vientos more than Beatty. Uh, both of them are going to strike out. Beatty's going to take his walks more, but he's also going to hit the ball on the ground a lot more. Vientos has a perfect power stroke, and it's it's big-time power. So I think they're both flawed. I just think Vientos is a better bet to get to 30 homers, which you kind of need to do if you're going to play third base. Uh, let's have uh, let's hit to hit another read here. Do you think your betting skills are good enough to win you tickets to the final four? It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Better Edge is giving away a trip for two to the Final Four in New Orleans. All you have to do is join their contest at betteredge.com Final Four. Better Edge believes sports betting with no fees should be the norm. And odds are it's legal in your state. Check it out and enter their March Madness contest for a chance to win a trip to the Final Four. Head over to betteredge.com Final Four. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com Final Four. Terms and conditions apply. All right, got a few more questions here and then we'll wrap things up. JLD wants to know, uh, he, he kept Boz Shane Boz, you a keep league with daily moves and five IL spots over Aaron Ashby and wonders if he should reconsider. I think with the five IL spots, that's reasonable and fine. Uh, would not do that in a normal league with, say, seven man benches and no IL spots. but if you can stash Boz on the the il, uh, I think that, that that's that's fine. Uh, i I like Ashby more than Boz now, as I said, and as I mentioned in the uh, article that went up yesterday. Uh, People, I mean, people just keep sleeping on Ashby's upside. I think a lot of people just think there's a massive gap between Boz's upside and Ashby's upside. I definitely would give Boz the edge. Uh, If we're just going pitch by pitch, I think each guy has three plus or better pitches. Boz probably has a couple 70-grade pitches. And uh, I think we can trust Boz's command more than we can trust Ashby's. But... Uh, Ashby has a edge in terms of team context. I think, uh, NL central, uh, that just is such a nice setup for Ashby. The Brewers. I mean, we're talking about two of the best teams at developing, uh, pitchers, but the Brewers are the best team at developing pitchers. So I I like Ashby more than Boz just because of the factor of you having to use a bench spot on Boz and, I don't expect Boz back until mid-May at the earliest, so you're talking about six weeks without him and him taking up a bench spot. But with the IL spots, I think it's fine to to go Boz over Ashby. Uh, Morgan Day uh, says he was watching James Outman, uh, tools the outfielder with the Dodgers, and wants to know if he will ever get a look. Uh, he'll he'll be up, you know. He'll be kind of an up and down fifth or sixth outfielder for the Dodgers. He provides value on defense and he's got some power and some uh, OBP potential, but uh, I mean he's he's like 24, I think, or 25. And the Dodgers just have a bunch of these guys. Their 40-man is just loaded with like 25-year-old uh hitters who a lot of other teams would be getting a chance to be everyday players but on their team they're just depth pieces so i just i don't see a scenario where outman gets a real look to be much more than like a fourth outfielder for them uh jake tolson wants to know the percent chance riley green breaks camp with the tigers uh i'll say 70 percent uh it's not a lock, regardless of the reports that are up on our side and other sites. Uh, I think Green, there's there's been some strikeouts this spring, which is not not a red flag at all, but um, let's just see how he's doing. Uh, you know, We're all rushing to judgment on these guys. I'm guilty of that too, but let's look up in a week and see what Green is hitting, how many strikeouts he has, how many walks he has. I think they would like him to. I think they'd like Green and Torkelson to force their way onto that starting roster. Uh, But I, I don't think they're gonna enter the year with those guys as starters if they think there's a decent chance that they really struggle. Because I think it'd just be much better to send them to AAA in that case. Uh, Ian Strada wants to know if I'd be worried in Dynasty about Chris Bryant getting traded down the line. Uh not really because I think that contract is gonna look really bad uh in short order. Like this is this is much more like a Charlie Blackman contract than a Nolan Arnado contract. I don't think there will be teams willing to give the Rockies anything uh to take on that money. So I think he like I'm happy for Chris Bryant. You know, good job by Scott Boris. I thought his line, Scott Boris. Scott Boris always cracks me up. Uh, He might have had the the, the two lines of the offseason to me so far. Uh, When someone asked Scott Boris what the other uh, teams that were interested in Chris Bryant were at the press conference where he was with the Rockies, Scott Boris said, uh, when I go to a wedding, I don't talk about the bridesmaids. I thought that that was a, an 80 grade line from Scott Boris. And then, uh, uh, the other best line I think was from, um, Buck Showalter when, uh, he was talking about, uh, was it Ryan Flaherty or, uh, some, some old, uh, journeyman that made the, the Orioles a, a while ago, uh, for like a talent show, he brought, uh, some monkeys into the talent show and that that's why Showalter put him on the opening day roster. And then he, he said in quotes, uh, that took guts. Um, so I could just picture Buck Walter saying that and that, that gave me a chuckle but uh, back to the Chris Bryant thing like happy for him good that good for him for getting that money uh, but that's not going to be a value contract uh, the Rockies I think were kind of suckers for giving him that contract and uh, I just don't see another team giving them prospects to take it on maybe if the Rockies eat a bunch of that salary but if you have Chris Bryant, I think it's going to play out just like the Charlie Blackman deal. You're going to get him in Coors. Uh, he might be um, not productive <laughs> towards the end, um, but I think he'll stick around for the whole deal. Uh, Christopher Galvin wants to know uh, ceiling for Kyle Harrison of the Giants versus likely outcome. Uh, with a guy like Kyle Harrison, I don't think there is a likely outcome. You know, he could, so much could go wrong, so much could go right. Uh, so I don't want to say that, but. Uh, He's got the stuff to pitch atop a rotation, even a really good rotation. Uh, He took a lot of strides down the stretch last year with his command. Big-time stuff. I think Kyle Harrison kind of gets slept on a little bit uh, when we're talking about the best pitching prospects who are ways away from the majors. Uh, Simon P., uh, now that Cody Morris is broken, who is the next Guardians pitching prospect that could step up? Uh, for those who didn't see very unfortunate news about Cody Morris, uh, he's he's out, I think, like six weeks at least with a shoulder injury. Uh, I wouldn't say he's broken. Uh, it's a setback, though, for sure. So he's not really rosterable in, unless it's a draft and hold uh, at this point. Uh, but Connor Pilkington and Tobias Myers would be the two guys for me to keep an eye on in cleveland i think you'll see them ahead of guys like uh peyton battenfield and the good logan allen uh pilkington and myers probably head to AAA. I think they're both on the 40 man um i, I i've got them both ranked in the top 400 i could see them both becoming uh, relevant at some point this year obviously not uh, the same level of upside though with cody morris and then uh simon also wanted to know which arm would I rather own in the Marlin system between Edward Cabrera and Max Meyer and who comes up first? Uh, I'd rather have Max Meyer. I think Cabrera comes up first. He's already come up (laughs) last year. So, uh, but I I think we see Cabrera again, uh, this year before we see Meyer, but Meyer I think is the better bet. Long-term, uh, Cabrera has a similar ceiling to Meyer. I just think Meyer is a, is a safer bet. Um, better command uh Cabrera still gives me some kind of injury risk vibes that Meyer doesn't really uh obviously they either of them could get injured but uh, Cabrera's dealt with some arm issues in recent seasons so <clears throat> I'll go with Meyer there all right uh that's gonna wrap it up uh really appreciate everyone um actually look I got some comments here I'll, I'll see if I can hit these really quick Uh, Mark Carr, any thoughts on when, uh, Rokia will be up, uh, early 2023, uh, Joseph Kitson, will O'Neal Cruz start right from the start of the season? Uh, doesn't look like it. Uh, he also wants to know thoughts on Riley Green. I love Riley Green. I just took him in the third round of a 20 team, uh, dynasty startup. I think he's going to be a five category guy. Uh, Although there is some strikeout issues, as I, as I mentioned, uh, Kyle Phillips, uh, wondering if Noah song is back from his military service, what can we expect from him? Not back. Uh, I forget the timetable on that. You know, he had a you know really bright future, but yeah, it's a long time to not be pitching. So uh, I think he's a fine stash in really deep leagues, but I, I don't think anyone could really say what to expect from him. Um, do I think, or Derek wants to know if I think Matt Brash starts the season in Seattle's rotation. Uh, and then he wants to know how likely it is that he can stick in it. I I think he's legitimately competing for a spot in that rotation. I think he can win it this spring. Uh, command is kind of the main thing for Brash. Even more so, I think, than the third pitch. Obviously, the fastball slider is is really devastating. I think he could probably get by. I think he'd be a five-plus inning guy on just the fastball slider, kind of like Tanner Hawk. But... Just about the command with him. And I I think the Mariners would give him a a pretty long leash. You know, he would have to really crash and burn. Uh, And then you might see a guy like George Kirby get a shot. And then uh, Sean McKnight wants to know Is Aaron Ashby the next Brewers breakout? I've heard good things about his underlying metrics. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, I think he's just on pure stuff and talent. I think he's the fourth best pitcher on the team or the fourth best starter on the team. And I don't really think there's at the end of the season, I think people will think of Ashby and Freddie Peralta uh, very similarly. Uh, Derek also wants to know, what's your outlook this season for Brandon Williamson? Uh, well, you can read that on dot roadwire.com slash uh, pod for free 10-day trial. But uh, Williamson, uh, you know, I think he's got number two starter upside. That was a, He was the best prospect to be traded since the lockout ended uh in the in that jesse winker deal uh the fastball is is really a money pitch money breaking ball starter repertoire starter command great size for a lefty so uh love williamson bit of a downgrade though going from seattle to cincinnati especially given how bad they're going to be for a while uh brandon Patton wants to know how much difference in talent is there between uh Marcelo meyer jordan lawler and khalil watson uh meyer just has the most advanced hit tool and approach of the three uh watson i think has the best combination of power and speed and lawler is kind of a, a mix of both those guys all right that's gonna do it uh this has been a lot of fun uh, a lot of questions hope you guys enjoyed that